For as hard as it is to play, heavy music is that much maligned in popular culture. It's looked down upon. It's shunned. It's seen as a music for dirtbags, lowlifes, and ne'er-do-wells who lack sophistication, taste, and culture. Rockers and metalheads are viewed as one step above cavemen with the lowest of IQs, simpletons easily dazzled by bright colors and puerile gimmicks. Truth is, the heavy music community do little to disprove the naysayers. Basking in cliches that have been used ad nauseum, skulls, flames, devil horns, drunken posturing, complete with the regaling of party antics, it curiously resembles the college frat boy jock culture that me, and I'm sure a lot of people, originally ran screaming from. So how did it get like this? While music historians mark 1991 as the year Nirvana broke out and changed the face of music, what always gets carelessly overlooked was how, in tandem to Nevermind, Metallica went overground that year too with their Black album and the hit song Enter Sandman, connecting with the MTV masses and in one fell swoop, streamlining metal, turning what was underground and arguably sacred to many of us, into another form of suburban pap dolled up in a rebel monkey suit, kind of like how accountants wear leather jackets and ride Harley-Davidson motorcycles on the weekends. Regardless of its continual reject status, heavy music is here to stay, and it still holds weight in pop culture. But even within metal's confines, there are huge gaps between its subgroups. I'm not going to name names, but despite incorporating distorted guitars and aggressive vocals, some bands couldn't be further from each other in style, outlook, and attitude. Sadly, for a lot of the metal contingent today, there is no distinction between the top-shelf metal outfits and Ed Hardy t-shirts. For me, when it comes strictly to the music, I'm kind of a musical whore. I enjoy a lot of it, appreciate most of it regardless of packaging. But for a band to completely win over my fandom, there does need to be a certain adherence to style and an astuteness when it comes to presentation. Indicators are found in many places, from their band name to group photos, artwork, choice of font for their logo, song titles, album titles, and even the label they choose to align with. Sometimes, assistance from independent record labels becomes compulsory when trying to wade through the bottomless pit of bands out there. Labels often become curators of sorts, exercising discerning taste for the benefit of their listeners. Over time, a blind trust is built, and labels become guides when introducing bands to their built-in audience. One such label for me is Rise Above Records, based out of London, England, and run by Mr. Lee Dorian. Besides running Rise Above for about 25 years now, Lee's musical legacy precedes him. Singer of Napalm Death and, of course, the legendary Doom Outfit Cathedral, Rise Above are one of those labels that not only have a particular vibe, a particular style running throughout its roster, but it is the balancing force, at least for me, to all the Ed Hardy-esque lowest common denominator White Castle, Dunkin' Donuts, heavy metal we are inundated with on this side of the Atlantic. The roster speaks for itself, from Grand Magus, Electric Wizard, Moss, Firebird, Capricorns, Orange Goblin, The Oath, Winters, Chevy, and Ghost, 
to today's current roster that includes Blood Ceremony, Lucifer, Church of Misery, Death Penalty, Gentleman's Pistols, Horizont, Saturn, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, and Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel. Rise Above Records are the beacon in a sea of paint-by-numbers, stereotypical, hard-rockin', metallic froth. Whether anybody knows or not, we've managed to slip in our fandom for Rise Above in our videos over the years. In our Take Me Home video from 2008, I am wearing a Rise Above Records t-shirt. And in our Had Enough video from our 2010 Ballad of Danko Jones video trilogy, Ralph Macchio's character is named Dr. Lee Dorian. Little tributes to a label that I find so much personal affinity with. And when I got to visit Rise Above HQ during a London stop while on tour almost 10 years ago, you can bet it made the tour for me. Recently, I managed to catch up with Lee Dorian while in London, hours before we kicked off our European trek in support of our Fire Music album, taking with us Rise Above recording artists, Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel, a band I love, and who put out my number one favorite album of last year, called Check Em Before You Wreck Em. The tour was great, and the boys were in fine form every night. So whether you love Rise Above already, or if you want to hear about some great hard rock and metal bands you might not have heard of before, this episode will set you straight. As usual, I want to thank Blue Mike Microphones and Skullcandy Headphones for supporting the podcast with our much-needed gear. I also want to take this time to welcome our new supporters to the podcast, Chino Locos. They've been voted Toronto's best burrito since 2011, bringing the Far East with Tex-Mex, smashing the freshest Mexican ingredients with popular Asian flavors. Check them out at chinolocos.com or on Twitter at Chino Locos. It's not like Chino Locos bought ad space on this podcast. I don't sell ad space on this podcast. It was more of me getting in touch with them and asking if I could plug their shops on the podcast because I fucking love the place. And that's it, I swear. Think of it as wearing a band t-shirt because you want the whole world to know about your favorite band. This is kind of like me wearing a Chino Locos shirt in cyberspace. Anyways, Back to the podcast. Lee Dorian is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's go out to love for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from Fuckdown. Stop playing Hangdown. The googly gaggly goblins will make sure they get their podcast fill by listening to Danko Jones. Then snacking on some broken bones. And scaredy cats will run amok when rock and roll starts to talk. Flapping gums and striking tongues. A chilly podcast has now begun. <laughs> Login protocol initiated. Sequencing algorithm interface. The official Danko Jones podcast uploaded. Listen with caution. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Danko Jones has a podcast. It's called the Danko Jones podcast. La da da. 
So it's good to see you, Lee. Oh, you too, man. Yeah, very nice to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, we see each other every few years, maybe three, like three four, four years. Four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about Rise Above, I think I've made it very well known on social media that Rise Above is one of my favorite record labels, if not my favorite record label. It's got oh, yeah. some of my... F- the, the new... In terms of, like, the new crop of bands... The, I mean, the, your your current roster is kind of like my f- list of favorite bands. I mean, oh, that's awesome! That's, that's... Uncle Acid, yeah. um, Church of Misery is probably top three favorite bands right now, contemporary. <laughs> I mean, if yeah. I was fourteen years old, it would be like Metallica, and it yeah. would be up on that level. Yeah. I, I think okay. Church of Misery is. Um, oh my God! Yeah, where did so obviously they were putting out records before you yeah. you grabbed them, but. How was it working with those guys, seeing that they were in Japan and far off Japan? How's that? Well, it wasn't too difficult because at the time when we signed them, I mean, I kind of somehow was pen friends with Tatsu, the the bass player, for quite some time because he was in a a band called Salem many years ago. They were like a death metal band. And um, he used to send me their records and things. and So we were kind of pen friends, and I I always liked what they were doing. so I guess it was only a matter of time before we actually did something with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at the time when we did, uh, the guitar player, Tom Sutton, he was like, he's an Australian guy, so he was like living in Japan and playing guitar. So it was obviously a lot easier to communicate because oh, uh, okay. he was in the band. Yeah. He's not in them anymore. In fact, it's only Tatsu that's left in the band now. He's like getting, he's getting like an American lineup together to do a new album. So. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess there's like some friends of mine playing are going to be playing on the next record. It's kind of strange, but he'll be the only Japanese Japanese guy in the band now. You know, for the time being, at least. You know, until he regroups it. You know. Yeah. So yeah, um, uh, it's totally super nice guy, and um, him and his girlfriend Mika. You know, they're they're really cool. They kind of work on the band together in terms of um, they they tour a lot. And they're kind of self-sufficient. I mean, we just give them a load of stock to take on the road, and it kind of funds itself, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they do quite well with merchandise. So, so they've managed to, um, uh, although they're signed to us, they've managed to be quite DIY in the way they do things in terms of touring. And they, you know, they they do well. Yeah, they just did a Monster Magnet tour there a few months ago. Well, it was last year actually. It's more than a few months ago. It's like a year ago almost. But. Um, that was like the the biggest tour they've done in Europe in terms of the size of venues and things. And, yeah. And of course, when you see a band like Church and Misery, as opposed to listening to them on record, it's a completely different experience because, I mean, they look like a bunch of hippies in 70s clothes and stuff, but yeah. their music's kind of really quite aggressive at the same time as being kind of old school in its um, approach musically, I suppose. Do they, so. do, do they run into any problems... You know, in terms of borders or anything, like with merchandise or any sort of lyrical content, anything about their mm, lyrics? They've managed to be okay, with the, to not, not have any too much trouble with that, as far as I'm aware. I mean, I don't know of any problems they've had with the serial killer kind of... Yeah, because that's their, their basic theme of the... Yeah, I don't think it's caused them many problems in terms of um, getting through borders or censorship or mm. customs grabbing hold of their products or whatever. They did have problems getting into America... Um, getting permits to go to America last time they were there. I mean, they had, they had to cancel the tour and reschedule it like four times or something. Um, yeah, because they scheduled an American tour that had a Toronto date, and yeah, we were that's right, yeah. going to be away, mm. and uh, that was probably the only show we really wanted to go to mm. last year. Um, <laughs> and then we had some sort of we had some 
the, the government implemented some sort of program where, you know, uh, band, touring bands had to pay extra amount of Tax. money. And, yeah, and, and a lot of tours were canceled. Um, yeah, yeah. So even if we were home, I would never have been able to. Yeah, see. that happened in the Canada only a couple of years ago, didn't it? Was it quite a recent they thing? They took it back, though, because, oh, okay. you know, no one's go, come, mm. coming into the country, no one's mm. going to shows. So, no, you know, it, then it just filters down. Mm. Clubs don't get people into the clubs, no one's making any money. So It's weird. I remember back in the old days when we used to tour and go to Canada, it was always the hardest place to get into, you know. We used to have so much trouble at customs, uh, passport control and stuff. You'd be there for like eight, nine hours, ten hours. Sometimes, sometimes people got turned back. It was, uh, yeah, it was really hard work. You know, the passport controls are like picture of the Queen on the wall, and you go, "There's no, it was no problem getting in America then, but it was really hard work getting in Canada." So. Well, that's interesting. Americans say that about Canada. We say that about America, but mm. it's, it's interesting hearing it from someone. Outside of North America, so Canada yeah. is the harder. Of the two. Well, I'm talking about a long time ago. I mean, I'm yeah. talking in the nineties. It used to always be a nightmare getting into Canada. Would you yeah. be like looking at the picture of the Queen, going, "Hey, what?" <laughs> well, for, but, first time it happened, I was like, "Well, you said what you're doing with that on the wall anyway for a start." But yeah, and then you think, "Well, actually, it is a British kind of symbol, yeah. but yeah, for better or for worse, you know." But yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could go down the list. Church of Misery is like the first band that I think of these days when I think of Rise Above and everything we're always talking about it on the bus and stuff mm. but an interesting new band signed to the label is Death Penalty because mm. it's got Gary Jennings yeah. um, as kind of the would you the leader of the, the creative force leader of the pack. Death I guess Penalty, so yeah who's obviously yeah. from I mean you two were in Cathedral and all this so how is it working with Gary on that side of the fence now that you're like labels well we go back a long way obviously we're really good friends and we both understand each other really as people I guess you know yeah which is quite fucking weird because we're both kind of oddballs in many respects not I don't mean that in a kind of bad way it's just that we're not like regular people <laughs> right <laughs> you would say like most people aren't in, in in this kind of world I suppose but um oh yeah but we know how each other kind of operates because we know each other so well. And, um, I mean, he actually works in the office as well, like five, oh. five days a week. Oh, I, I mean, didn't know that. Okay. He lives in Harrogate, which is quite a long way away. It's like Leeds, you know, it's like 200 miles away or whatever. So he comes down on a, on a, on a Monday and crashes in the office there because I got it set up like a boys' room, you know what I mean? There's like a big widescreen TV and all my DVDs and records are in there and stuff. So he's got entertainment if he needs it, you know, and he just... He, um, so he comes down on a Monday and then heads back on Friday and just wow. helps packing records and things, you know. Well, I mean, you know, he was working in Harrogate and it's really hard to get work, you know, and he's obviously he's got like a, he's got a daughter and um, I guess, you know, he's looking for work in the town where he lives. It's just like crap jobs, really. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I, what he's doing at Rise Above is an amazing job, but at least he's got the freedom to kind of, he doesn't have to deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis, face-to-face. Right. -face. He can just hang around packing records and do what needs to be done, you know. So so that works well. And I just I always encouraged him to, you know, when Cathedral ended, it was mainly my decision, really, I suppose, because, uh, well, for many, many reasons. But I always thought out of all of us it should have been him that continued to, because he's so such a good guitar player, you know, and he's got such a vast knowledge of music and his influences are so vast and wide that... I thought it'd be really tragic if he kind of had to just give up playing guitar, you know. And I think he contemplated that for a while, but I just encouraged him to try and get a band together and do the kind of band he'd always wanted to do outside of Cathedral. And I guess 
it was like Belgian metal was his thing. <laughs> so he ends up he ends up in a band with him being the only Brit and then three yeah. Belgians, you know. So. Which I thought was interesting. I, how did he even hook up with those guys? Like, how did he know them? Well, he really liked. He was he's really into that band Acid, you know, the eighties heavy metal band from Belgium. Mm-hmm. They're a really cool band actually, but that's one of his favourite bands. And um, I guess he wanted a female singer, and he wanted to follow in that kind of tradition of of metal, you know. And um, so he was trying to think of a of a female singer that would be good enough to um, put across what he wanted to project, I suppose. And um, there's uh, Michelle, who sings in Death Penalty. She was in this band called Serpent Cult, who released an album on Rise Above a few years ago. Oh, OK, yeah. Um, but she was only on their first record. In fact, they only did one record in the end. And he really liked her voice, and I said, well, just get in touch with her then, you know, see if she's up for it, and, and of course she was. And then um, through her joining, she kind of um, said, well, I, you know, I've got a great drummer over here, Cozy, who played in that band Serpent Court, and um, so it just seemed like the logical thing, the easy thing for them to become, like, uh, three parts Belgium, yeah. Belgian or whatever, so... And um, so that's, yeah, that's just how it happened. He started writing a bunch of material, sending it over to her, just like on stuff he'd done on GarageBand or whatever, just riffs and things, mm. you know. She really liked it. She put her vocals on and sent the tracks back, and he was blown away by it. So and then they just did an album, and that's it, you know. I mean, he's also been uh, Lucifer, you know, Johannes Adonis's uh, band. He's also just co-written an album with her, which is amazing. I've just heard oh, it. Oh, the it's, two of them? Yeah, yeah. It's, so is that for Lucifer? Yeah. I got rough mixes. I just heard oh, last so week. Oh, so would that be the second Lucifer album? No, the first one. Yana was in a band called The Oath before. The Oath, yeah. yeah, and they broke up. Oh, for some okay. So Lucifer. It's her continuation. They're not. Lucifer. They're not. They haven't put out anything. Yet. Just a seven inches. I put one in the box. Oh, for you, great! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. So I mean, this is really cool. This record. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's pretty cool. So. Yeah. It kind of because the, the whole thing with The Oath was there was these two girls. Yeah. And they were playing this kind of music. Mm. Is that what is that where Lucifer's going to kind of continue off? With it's kind of guys? less less full on heavy metal. It's more kind of uh, rock, doom, and kind of seventies influenced, you know. Um, but it's quite eclectic too, and I think it's mm. it's really cool. I mean, it's there. I mean, the Oath album was one of my favourite records of, of last year, really. But I think actually the Lucifer record that surpasses it quite by quite a long way. I mean, Gaz is kind of. Um, he hasn't necessarily written an album how he would 100% write it himself because I think Joanna's given him some direction in terms of what she, how she would like it to be and vice versa. So he's he's part of the Lucifer project? This yeah, he's, he, they, they basically... Um, she was looking for someone to write songs with, basically, and I suggested Gaz, obviously, because I, you know, I see him every day pretty much. And, um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, it just I just put them in touch with each other and it's kind of worked that way. You know? So I haven't seen him in the... Promo shots? Is he? Is he? No. Well, basically, they did have another guitarist, but um, it didn't really work with him. So the the original oh. pictures that were taken, um, he got cut out of the pictures. Um, that he plays on the on the seven inch. This other guy, right? Um, and in the meantime, you know, they had a bunch of material written, but um, thankfully, I, I'd it's come as a blessing in disguise, really, that um, this guy left because. The, the material's a hell of a lot stronger now that Gaz has kind of... I mean, Gaz had written about four or five songs, so he'd written, like, half of the album with Johanna. And I think they're, like, five 
five more or so that this other guy had co-written. But since he left, it became clear that um, Gaz needed to write the whole album with her and stuff. So it's it's much better that he has, you know. And whether he's going to join them full time or not, I don't know. It's hard to say at the moment. Yeah, he's just he's, he's played on the record and stuff, and he's co-written it. So he's kind of known from being in no bands. He's got. Two bands. Yeah, well, you know, I think he should be because uh, he's one of the best guitarists out there, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you know, yeah. and um, he sh- he shouldn't just like hide, go away, and pretend nothing happened, and just have all these old records to look back on. I think he yeah. should still be active, you know. And um, he's one of those guys. I guess he got my email through you. Yeah. Uh, maybe like he's a big fan of yours. Three, yeah. four years ago, yeah. and I was blown away by it because it came out of the blue. Huh. And uh, he said, "Hey, yeah, he, he he liked our band and all this stuff." And then, I think I, when I heard the Death Penalty album, I reached out to him after mm. that, yeah, um, last year. And I go, "Hey." Oh, he was chuffed to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, "Fucking amazing album! It made my top ten of the of oh, wow. last year and stuff." And then, um, uh, he just started sending me all these like clips of all these like 70s bands i'd never heard of <laughs> and i replied to a couple of them on oh, this is cool I'm not into this one is he coming tonight yeah okay because yeah. i i well hyrax is playing tonight and that was I our, know. our original plan was to go see hyrax but we yeah. didn't realize that you were playing until you know until like what six seven weeks ago or so, so. oh okay okay it but wasn't we... as if it was your original plan like three days ago no 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, no. Yeah, I saw that because I follow Caton um, on Instagram. Mm. He's always posting, and then yeah. I see he was in Cambridge like three days ago, and I'm like, Cambridge? What really? is the inevitable what, London date? Are they doing a UK tour. I only yeah, knew about that one show. Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, so out of, the, out of the picture when it comes to what's going on. I don't know half the time. I just find out about things like the day before or the day after. You know, it's kind of. Well, if Kate I don't was, scan the press, no. Yeah, and neither do I. I don't really do that anymore. No. And the, sometimes the only way I go to shows is if someone emails me, yeah, going, someone tells me, we're yeah. in town, exactly, yeah, yeah. come here. Yeah. Uh, so, Kate, and, and that actually happened with Uncle Acid at home. A friend of mine, I was on Facebook. A friend of mine goes, "I got an extra ticket to Uncle Acid tonight. Anybody want to <laughs> come?" And I just, I, I, I called him. I'm like, dude, they're in town. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I ended up going to the show. Oh, it's cool, amazing. Yeah. amazing. It's amazing. No, that told it really well. Yeah, yeah that uh, and uh, the only show I've ever seen of a band that plays in the dark. Mm. That was backlit kind of thing. Pretty fucking, uh, and it didn't bore me. Mm. Probably because well, the songs are so good, aren't they? Great right? band. Yeah. And, yeah, love the love the albums, but still, you you know, it's a true test of a band as to whether or not they can pull something like that off. Well, the pressure on them was. Uh, totally ridiculous, really. If you think about the first first shows they'd ever done, no one had even seen a picture of them, really. You know, until about two weeks before they did a photo session, the first ever one. Right. And, yeah. Uh, still, I still don't know what they look like. I don't. Know yeah. I've seen. I don't know. But. Uh, but luckily, it proved that it didn't matter what they fucking looked like because the no. music speaks for itself, really. You know. Yeah. So. And and how are they doing now? They're in between. Between albums, are they working on something new? They're or? recording now, actually. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, I suppose it's there. Technically, their fourth album, but the, fir- the first album was never kind of officially released, so mm-hmm. it's the you know it's the third one that we've released. It'll be so, um, and I guess it's going to be hopefully released kind of September October time. So oh wow, that's really that's really near. Well, not, so they're in the studio away. now. Yeah. Oh wow. And yeah. have you heard any? Uh... Not yet. I don't. I mean, the thing is, I don't like if I know a band's good 
and I got and I trust them. That's all I need. I don't need to hear like demos and bloody things because I get too confused. I get, I end up preferring the demo to the album and stuff right. like that because I get so used to it. And yeah. I and then I find things that I don't like or something, and it's like oh, I just get too stressed by it. So I just like to hear the finished mastered version you know it's right. cool if I hear a couple of new songs played live or something like that but I don't need to hear recordings until they're done really you know now what's the relationship you have with Brian Slagle in terms of I notice there's not every band on your label but some of them get like a full Metal Blade release how, um, how did that like? that's over now we're not oh. we're through we're, we're DIY now in the States. Well, I say DIY, but we go through Red Distribution directly. Oh, I see. So it was only a distribution thing? It was. It was a licensing deal we had with Metal Blade for a few oh, years. Oh, okay, okay. And it was cool, you know. And Brian, yeah. Brian's a really awesome guy. And yeah. I mean, but after all this time, we just thought, well, I mean, uh, we've, I mean, it's 20, how many years now is the label? It's like 27 years or something, you know what I mean? And, and to still be kind of licensing our stuff out, after all this time, I thought it was time for us just to try and make a break and and go go ourselves, go our own way in the states and try and well North America and try and um, just make it happen more independently, you know. Because the thing is, I mean, no disrespect to anybody, when you're associated with another label and kind of similar releases are coming out on the other label, it all kinds of gets gets a bit blurry. And then, and then as well, when your releases are getting tied in with like music that doesn't sit with our kind of releases at all it kind of our identity was getting a bit lost really so mm-hmm. i think uh, to be more hands-on and to have our own kind of grip on what's going on over there is, is quite important really we never really had that until now i mean believe me it's bloody hard work it's because it's, it's almost like starting from scratch again over there you know and um getting everything in place it's it's not something you can just do in five minutes and we're still kind of working on getting it all right in place i mean essentially want everything to be in place for when for when the next on Classic record comes out, because obviously that's our priority. So, and by the time that's out, I mean everything will be fine. You know, everything's running smooth. So, yeah, because um, like there is bands like Person mm. that were on your label. They were, yeah. Oh, they were. Yeah. How is that? How's it, what? It, I mean, I understand the the relationship between bands and label, especially. I would assume that you know having you as label head. Yeah. There's a more personal approach. Yeah, but sometimes that can be. Um, in many ways, that's fantastic. But in some, in some ways, I mean, people's egos get out of control mm. by like a few thousand Facebook likes, and they suddenly turn into rock stars before the records even come out. Yeah, I'm mentioning no names, but it's like, no. I'm trying to, you know, we're still doing this hand to mouth the same way we've been doing it for like 27 years, mm-hmm. and if, you know, if bands are that short-sighted that they can't even see they haven't even started yet and they're starting to lose the plot and think the world owes them a living. Well, you know, there's still a lot of stuff you have to do to get to the stage where you are doing well enough to warrant doing a a, a cool tour and, you know... I mean, God, we've spent loads of money on certain bands that turn around and just, like, dicked us off, you know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. like, well... If that's the way it is, and if bands don't want to work with us, then we don't want to work with them, really. You know, um, unfortunately, that's happened a couple of times. But, but overall, you know, ninety-five um, percent of the time, we have a great relationship with all our bands. Yeah. And um, I mean, I always put myself in the position of them because I've been through it all, and I've seen kind of every kind of aspect in the music business you could probably see mm-hmm. since Napalm Cathedral and all the years through. I've seen all the kind of negative shit as well as the good stuff you know and i've seen how bands can be treated and how bands how, how bands expectations can be kind of 
uh, kind of a bit too too advanced before they've even started, you know, and you can become easily disappointed. Um, and the other way around, you know. I mean, a band like Uncle Acid never played a gig before, and their first two shows sold out in like a week. You know what I mean? It's like, and then they're on tour with Black Sabbath like two months after that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Everything's everything kind of. Um, Nothing is, is is written in stone as to what's ever going to happen, but I think to have your feet on the ground is the most important thing, really. And to be aware that, you know, not everything is handed to you on a plate, which is unfortunately what some people... Mm. You know, Facebook isn't the be-all and end-all of the world, you know. No. 5,000 likes doesn't mean you're a pop star, it you know what I mean? It means nothing. It means jack shit. And most people who sit around on Facebook and slag this, that and the other off yeah. are the people that don't actually buy records anyway, so, you know... <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of just be into what you do and just like work at it. That's all. That's all I can say. And, and eventually, you know, it will happen. I find I find Rise Above though more than more than other labels in the genre. Um, there's a real you, you really take um, a concerted effort to curate the label to make it, there is a definite. There's not a sound, um, no. but there's a style. Yeah. Uh, to to rise above. How do you how do you find these fucking bands when you when when like I I, don't, I can't believe how consistent the label is, and it's it's uh, you know you 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 put out um, many releases and and Not you have that many, many bands. I mean you you don't have three, you know. And over the years, it's no. it's, it's a kind of a revolving door, but still, it's a consistent amount. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Whether it's Gentleman's Pistols or, yeah. or uh, Ghost or, or Uncle Acid, Church of Misery, um, why? Maybe it's just your sign, signings appeal to my ears. But it's it's it, I've noticed that it's just it, it's fairly consistent, more than most labels. Oh, thanks. Well. I mean, essentially, I'm just a fan of the music we put out, really. How do they find you, or do you find them? I, I, I'm fascinated. It's not like I go out to shows every night trying to find this miraculous band, because I know right. that's not, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And that doesn't but exist. The, the I mean, to me, that's a waste of time, you know. The industry's a fashion for that. We have conferences, and we yeah, have... Uh, which I don't go to. Yeah, and, and um, showcases and stuff. Which are kind of pointless. Exactly. I mean, who are, they, who are those trying to... Those are things that... Everything's about trying to prove something with all this kind of stuff. Right. And we're not trying to prove everything. We just want to sign good bands. And, and hopefully, I think the bands that appeal to us are also bands that we appeal we appeal to them in, in our approach and our outlook, you know. So somehow, they find us and we find them. Blood ceremony. Whether it's through, through mutual friends or... I mean, bear in mind, I have been around a long time. I mean, mm. I, I mean, before I was in Napalm Death, I was pen friends with, like, millions of people around the world. And so, you know, and it's, like, 30-odd years since I've been doing this. So and I think people know what we're into. I mean, there is nothing specific, as you say. Mm. I mean, that's why it is bloody hard. I mean, yeah, you, you say we've got quite a few bands, but not that many. I mean, if you think... Like I said, the label's 27 years old. We're not even on 200 releases yet, you know. I mean, some years we'll put out only three or four new albums. Some well, years we'll put out that, eight yeah. or nine. Some years we'll put out five. I mean, it's totally unpredictable. We don't want to put out records just for the sake of putting out records. That's the thing. I mean, you could put out... I mean, a lot of labels just churn out stuff because they need to keep their cash flow going. I mean, for us, it's bloody hard, you know, because... I mean, I've got to pay staff, we've got to pay office rent, we've got to pay taxes, got to pay all this kind of stuff, MCBS, PRS, blah, blah, blah. 
And if you're going through like three or four months and there isn't a new release out, yeah, and you've already paid for like four or five releases that are coming, but they're not finished yet because the artwork's not finished or something like that. I mean, we do do distributors' heads in and in, in stuff because I mean most of the bands we have don't have managers, so their their way of doing things is very laid back. And it's like, you know, we've shelled out all this money for these recordings, but the artwork's not done and the artwork's like three months late so that means the album's going to be six months late and stuff <laughs> so wow. so it's kind of a head record but you know doing it the way we do it in, in an unorthodox way that we do is just um what we've always done really and to suddenly turn around and try and make it more kind of i mean for a start to try and throw these bands in people's faces when they when they when really i think you know most people who buy our records have come to trust what we do so they kind of come to us as opposed to us trying having to force it down people's throats and it's a more natural way of you know letting it just resonate out there mm-hmm. and as well you know we uh, i don't we even if there was like a ton more great bands around we wouldn't want to sign them all necessarily because i want each each individual band to have their release to have its time you know to get it out there and for it to spread in a kind of organic way and and hopefully you know when a band does a great record the next one will feed off all the kind of natural way that the first one's been discovered yeah and it makes it a lot easier for them on on the next album you know well i think of a band like blood ceremony who are from my neck of the woods how did you guys hook up with them um uh, that see, I mean, most most. I, I think there's only ever been one band that we've actually signed on the strength of a demo that's been sent in the post. After all these years, that's only one band, and that was Astra. That's a totally different band there from San Diego. But Blood Ceremony, um, it's a similar kind of thing to Uncle Acid, really. I mean, they were posting um, like rehearsal tracks on YouTube or something like that, or on MySpace. I can't remember. It might be MySpace. And um, I mean, really crude, just like a. Like so, yeah, just like live rehearsal jams or whatever. But the name, I mean, the names. I mean, the film's amazing, Blood Ceremony. So you you kind of know that you know they're on the on the radar because they know about that film for a start. So gotcha. that means they're more into they're, they're more into scratching the surface. They they dig deep. You know what right. I mean. So when you know a band kind of does dig deep and you know kind of their musical uh, sensibilities and kind of hunger to hear things is a bit beyond the kind of average band. In right. this kind of kind of realm of like Sabbath type stuff, they dig deeper, and you can, and through that you get a bit, uh, you get a picture that there's obviously a lot more to the band than a lot of other bands. Just these little things you pick up yeah. on, you know, small little details. And uh, th- that's interesting. You mentioned the whole Sabbath thing because um, I've I've found the whole retro Sabbath thing has has reached its apex. Yeah. And w- what do you think of that? Seeing that you know Rise Above is got many bands who champion that sound we try and avoid try and avoid anything that just sounds too obvious okay sabbath is the root of most of the music we put out without a doubt you know that's for sure but i mean there's all these like psych now is the big thing it's yeah. like man what what makes you a psych band like two fuzz pedals and five wah-wahs you know what i mean i've got more wah-wahs than the next guy but i right. can't fucking play it's just like <laughs> and i've got no real deep knowledge of what psychedelic music actually is it's just like oh it's out there right you know it's like, well, I mean, for a start, you know, to me, the term psychedelic is not something you put on yourself. It's something other people maybe will decide, oh, that band, yeah, they're really psychedelic or whatever. Right. Not, I don't, you don't go around saying, oh, we're a psychedelic band. You know what I mean? That's just like, <laughs> it's totally retarded to even presume that you have that much confidence to call yourself that. <laughs> right. But, um, but the whole Sabbath thing as well, you know, like bands that are doing just generic kind of Sabbath riffs, and I mean, I could think of a few. 
you know, they're actually signed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, well, that's just kind of boring, you know. That's yeah. just like you've just got the blueprint and that's all. You, you're not adding anything new to it. Yeah. I mean, Sabbath is the is the source of inspiration, but it's not about thieving all the every, and blatant carbon copy. A, you can never be as good as Sabbath if you try to copy them that way. And B, what's the point? Because it's like... The best is already done. It's already done. And you could say all the riffs are cashed in, but they're not necessarily because... Whatever you do, if you do it with a personal touch, it's always going to sound different, you know. Yeah. And I think that the personal touch and the individual approach to any kind of music, especially this kind of music, is what makes it stand out and what makes it different. Because I, I, I always think bands should have at least, you know, a major amount of, well, I say at least a major amount, but a large, a large amount of individuality is, is the most important thing. I mean, you can have two bands that are almost exactly the same, but there's one thing about them that makes them stand out that is less generic than the other band, and it's really hard to say what that is. They just have to have that kind of special thing about them. And I mean, you know, we just signed this, talking about all this psychedelic stuff, you know, all these bands with like fuzz pedals and stuff. It's like we just signed this folk band called Galley Beggar, and, right. and most people are going to go, "What the hell you signed them for?" But people will get it, but they won't understand what. Because to me, they're more psychedelic than any of these fuzz pedal bands. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But they're not even a rock band. They're just like a, they're a folk band. You know? Right. So you've, you've done that before, though, on the label with uh, Circulus. With Circulus. Yeah. 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 Well, they were more kind of medieval folk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but people thought we'd actually gone mad when we signed them. Yeah. <laughs> it made perfect sense to me. It did to me. I think it was a good way of breaking things down and. Widening up things, you know, because yeah. uh, again, talking about Sabbath, that's the whole thing, you know. In in 1970, it wouldn't have been out of place at all for a band like that to be the main support to Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like Principal Edwards Magic Theatre would have been supporting Sabbath, or or you know. But everyone wants it. They want they compartmentalize. Now they do. Yeah, yeah. But we're the thing is, we're uh, the whole ideology is there isn't so much a specific ideology, but. One of the most fascinating things about that time from the late 60s, early 70s is the actual spontaneous vibe that was there that was, that was acted upon. You know, people weren't necessarily so regimented in the way they, yeah. they looked at music. And okay, you could say it was all progressive this or heavy rock that or kind of jazz this or folk that or whatever you might want to call it, but it was a lot more open minded and a lot more free. And um, and that's the only thing from that period we're really trying to not necessarily hang on to, but just kind of keep alive. Mm-hmm. You know, the freedom of expression. And I don't think there could ever be a band like you know Sly and the Family Stone today. No. Any 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 kind of effort. What's that going to be, that? Jamiroquai? Or something, you yeah, know I mean? yeah. Every any kind of effort is just so I don't know. It's so deliberate. It's too thought out. Yeah. You know, everything is done for a reason these days, as opposed to it being from the soul. You know, and it's kind of. Not everything, because I think there's some amazing bands out, but Absolutely. there's so much like garbage. I mean, and it's not even just the mu- I mean, the production has got so far these days with modern music that it's no longer sounds like bands anymore. It just sounds like I don't know. It just sounds empty to me. Yeah. Modern production, you know. I agree, but a band that will be, we will be taking out on tour as of tonight. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Is, uh, Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel, yeah, which yeah. is on Rise Above, and yeah. so they're, I'm going to meet them in a in a in a few hours, <laughs> which will be interesting. You're going to have some good fun, man. They're, they're crazy guys. They're, they're really good fun. Yeah, um, and they're totally into it. They totally live the lifestyle. You know, yeah. they're not like some bunch of guys who put on their jackets at the weekend and and dress up to go to some like stupid. Um, <laughs> fancy dress club or something like that That's, right. they live their life as you see them you know they're totally cool guys and um 
Well, I was going to ask you what made you want to choose them for being on tour, really. Um, well, last year I I put them their album uh, as my favorite album of the year, uh-huh. and so well, it was okay. it was. I put it out there, you know, I made sure, like, you know, I get asked every at the end of every year, top 10 for various magazines yeah. and stuff, so I, I always write my top 10. They were number one. Wow. And, uh, God, uh, I, I, I think, no, I, no, I wrote an email to you, and it was just, uh, they're fucking, yeah. aw- I, well, all it was was, I think, it was like, hey, Lee, yeah. they're fucking awesome, well, have a that. nice day. Yeah. That's all, I, that's all it was. Yeah. Um, and, uh. I I don't know. I was just like, there's no there's no contemporary. Speaking about the whole Sabbath retro thing, all these new bands are doing the whole. While they're over there doing the Sabbath thing, these guys are. I don't see any. I don't hear any new band like them. But this is the whole point to me. The whole point you were making about all these bands copying Sabbath, because these don't kind of fit into any kind of we're doing this to be cool yeah. thing. They don't get fucking recognized as much. It's like no booking agent would take them. You know, it's their it's their second album's done. I get it. You get it. The people that I respect their opinion get it. But the people like in, from the magazines and the people in the industry that think, who's this kind of has-been band or something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just shows you how clueless these people are because, to me, they're just like the greatest rock and roll band, you know? I yeah. just think they're amazing. You know? I, I do, too. I, I saw the video. After I saw their name on a, uh, like a comp you get in a magazine. Oh, right, I think yeah. it was for Rock Hard in Germany. Yeah. And I'm like... Okay, so... So they, they didn't is, make it exactly easy with a name for yeah. a start. But. I was like, is this the fucking name? Is it one of these, like, four-word emo, screamo bands again? Uh, yeah, that we're next, yeah, but I couldn't make... I, oh, is this a guy? This is, like, some dude? So yeah. I heard the track, and I was like... I immediately went online. I heard. I just heard the song on the, mm. the comp. And I went online, and I did my rabbit hole research yeah. through YouTube and stuff... And then, you know, half an hour later, I know everything about the band mm. <laughs> as much as you can find. Uh, got the albums, and, and um, then I reached out to you after maybe uh, a week of, of listening to it. Yeah. And I was blown away by j- just the fact they sounded, well, not fresh isn't the word, but in today's music you know, environment, they do sound fresh again. Well, because they don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to swear on it. I know I've oh, no, 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 it's totally well, fine. Because they don't care, you know. They just, they're out to play their music the way they want to play it and do the, what the hell they want to do, you know. They don't care what people think. You know? But even the markers you were saying, like how, how Blood Ceremony ch- chose their name, etc. And I, mm. I saw this one video, and it's on the album covers. Uh, the the rooster, buzzard. The bu- <laughs> budgie, right? The or buzzard the, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, using that as uh, their mascot, yeah. sort of. Uh, you could kind of <laughs> tell the, the, there, is, there is a, like a, a, I understand their mindset. Yeah. And uh, it was... Uh, yeah, it appealed to me on those different levels, not just the music and the and what you're saying about the guys and all that stuff. So, yeah. after I reached out to you, I think his name's Billy, the drummer. Yeah, yeah. He reached out to us through Facebook. I mm. never check our Facebook messages, right. um, but I think there was like shovel in his name, or there's some sort of like admiral or Billy some, Shovel or something. Yeah. So I'm like, what? Like, why would this be a very Big coincidence that I just emailed Lee about yeah. some band with the name, you know, and it was him. And oh, maybe I just told him you were into the band. He he did say yeah. that he's like Lee, you know, uh, told told us that you you uh, you like our album, etc. And um, then this idea of us touring for this for our new record came, and you know we're 
I, no one knows this, but when you know a band like us, we're not Metallica. We can't choose. Um, we don't just go. Uh, we want to tour with like Johnny Cash, or we want to tour no. with Slayer. Make it so. There's a lot of I know deliberating. It yeah. yeah, it. Um, you know, there's a lot. So we try to. From our end, we want to go out with bands that are. You know, that we we genuinely like, and yeah. we want that to represent the tour. So I threw in their name, well, but amazing. I couldn't confirm it with Billy. I couldn't say like, "Hey." I got it, man. You guys are going on tour with us, and this is done. Um, just because I like the band, so I, I you know, I had to, yeah. yeah. But sometimes people in his position, like the bands who ask us to go on tour with us, mm-hmm. they don't know that, you no. know. And so when you have to break the news to them, you end up well, being the bad guy. I wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, I mean. I wouldn't have told him to get in touch with you like that. I was like saying, we'll just wait and see what happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what I kind of told him too. Yeah. I'm like, I can't promise anything, yeah, yeah. you know, because, you know, the other guys have their choices or mm. what have you, or someone else's, you know, friend of a friend, or the label, or the booking agent. Of course. Yeah. There's so many people who have their ideas of touring. And in the end, what's always worked for us is the bands that we want to tour with, even though we might not necessarily know them before the tour. Mm. 80% of the time, it works out in where we get along, and the tour is yeah. one big hangout. Family, you know? so, so hopefully that'll happen. I don't know. By the time I upload this uh, podcast with you, you'll be like, <laughs> yeah, and there was this band. <laughs> Anyways, here's the, here's the talk with Lee. Oh, man, you're going to have fun with those guys for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, That's so amazing. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Nice. And it's it just uh, I'm I'm just so happy it could be through uh, Rise Above the Rise Above band. Well, as I've said, man, you know it's like no booking agent will take them on. No one no one gives them any coverage. It's just like it's ridiculous, you know. Um, They're so amazing. I've been saying that on Twitter and Facebook and anyone I can talk to, and yeah. and uh, I have you know uh, columns and magazines. I've posted it out close up in Sweden and. Yeah. All those stuff. Every t- anytime anybody and and then interviews, people ask me what you're listening to. I've name dropped that band count dozens of times now at this point. So hopefully, but it's you know, it's it is they are hampered. I must say with that long, long name. But at the same time, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Well, the thing is with them, like uh, two of the guys are in this other band called Gorilla, and they've been around. They did loads of loads of records over the years, really. Oh yeah. And um, Louis, the bass player, did this band with John and Billy uh, instantly like you I mean I, I, before I'd even heard them I was like oh, sounds interesting you know the name and stuff I mean um, I like Gorilla you know um, but a demo came in the post by them and I'd already seen their Facebook page set up and everything I was like oh I think I'm going to like this you know and I think it was just like just stuff they'd done on their four track uh, cassette recorder in a rehearsal room or whatever I was completely just knocked out by it straight away because I could hear all these like references, Ground Dogs, Dark, all these kind of cool 70s bands, but also kind of Motorhead and kind of... Um, mm-hmm. Nothing was like deliberately trying to be cool. You could just tell it was in their blood, this kind of music. And it right. was like it was really refreshing because it was so basic and stripped down the sound. They weren't trying to prove anything with anything. You know, I was just like, wow, they just got the spirit. And, um, and the name's like kind of... Amazingly retarded, but fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought everything about that band was cool. And I I also realised, you know, there's no kind of... It's not like a commercial venture to sign a band like this because, you know, for all the reasons we've just said, like, uh, people... 
in the industry just don't get a band like that and the only place that I feel that they could have got the recognition they deserved and was with us really or a label like us and, and we totally wanted to give them as much help as we could you know I mean like I said as they, again they've been quite self-sufficient the first album was recorded properly you know and it costs a, a few grand to record it was probably actually like um, not the best move because the second one they did which I think is way better in terms of the way it sounds yeah. they just did it in like two days or something and it cost right. next to nothing you know right so yeah it's, it sounds amazing it's, yeah. it's what won me over yeah um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm really uh, looking forward to the tour. It's about to start. I'm yeah. about to go to Soundcheck now. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we had to push the pull the interview back. So uh-huh. and it's time for me to go. Oh wow! Okay. Thanks a lot, Lee. Oh, thank you, man. Awesome, man. This awesome. Is, Fantastic. Uh, you know, it's you know, I'm a huge fan. So this oh, is awesome. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, man. <laughs> <laughs> 